Hi everyone, welcome to Food Culture Curious. We are on episode 8. On today's episode, I take the questions that I usually ask my guests and I answer them for myself. So if you want to learn a little bit about the Mexican-American food culture and my recommendations for the Mexican-Mexican-American population, keep listening. Hi everyone, welcome to Food Culture Curious. My name is Areli. I'm a registered dietitian on a mission to help healthcare professionals become more culturally competent with their nutrition recommendations. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my personal food culture. Uh, you guys can get to know me a little bit better and learn more about the Mexican, Mexican-American food culture. So first question what food culture do I identify with? As I've mentioned in previous episodes, I grew up in a town on the border between the U.S. and Mexico, and I pretty much grew up around mostly Hispanic people and was exposed to mostly Mexican food or some Tex-Mex here and there. Um, both of my parents are from Mexico and specifically Tampico, which is a port city. So therefore, I grew up with a lot of Mexican dishes. Um, and then in the summers, we would go to Tampico and I would have a lot of seafood and just other dishes more um, prominent in that region. So let me tell you a little bit about what I remember as far as growing up um, in a border town. As far as proteins, there was a lot of chicken, a lot of beef, some pork, a little bit of fish, again, mostly when we were in the port city of Tampico. Um, I remember a lot of vegetarian dishes. So we had many different dishes that used tortillas in some shape or form. Um, for example, we would have chilaquiles which was, you know, the tortilla with salsa and cheese. Or you could also have entomatadas, which is also tortilla with salsa and cheese. And it was basically different combinations of how you would use cheese and salsa and tortillas or beans. You could have, for example, um, the quesadilla could be flour, it could be corn. Um, we usually use queso Oaxaca. If you put meat inside of it, then it could become a different type of taco. For example, a sincronizada is tortilla, cheese, and ham versus something like a taco pirata would be tortilla, cheese, and beef or chicken. So there's different types of tacos, um, different types of vegetarian dishes using the same ingredients. Uh, as far as produce. Like I've mentioned before, a lot of our vegetables are not on the side. We don't really do a lot of side salads. The vegetables in our dishes are in the food. We use a lot of onion, a lot of tomato, a lot of chilies. Everything um, can come with a side of salsa. It's either poured on top or the meat or the tortilla, the food is cooked in the salsa, so cooked in the vegetables. Um, we also have a lot of beans with our meals or in our meals, which is also a vegetable. And like I've mentioned before, we can put avocado on a lot of things. 
also a vegetable. As far as starches, like I've mentioned, a lot of tortillas, um, definitely Mexican rice with a lot of dishes, and sometimes flour tortillas because there was, you know, some Tex-Mex um, in my household. So typical spices, cooking oils, and cooking methods. Um, for spices, I would say a lot of cumin or comino, um, a lot of chicken bouillon. And if you're Mexican or Mexican-American, I know you know what brand I'm thinking about. Like there was a lot of Nor Suiza in my house. Um, definitely used a lot of cilantro as a main herb with, with cooking Mexican foods. Um, sometimes there's some bay leaf in some of the dishes that we make. And for cooking oils, I think I mostly grew up with canola oil and vegetable oil. A lot of our foods are um, not fried per se, just sauteed was the word that I was looking for. So for a lot of our dishes, the tortilla will be lightly sauteed in some oil before we use it for the whatever dish that we're making. Um, typical desserts that I can remember, my favorite is flan, which is a type of custard, um, and sometimes it comes on top of cake. So if it's a chocolate cake, then it's a choco flan. Um, but there's lots of different types of cookies, like the Mexican wedding cookies, which can be covered in powdered sugar, can be covered in cinnamon sugar. Um, my tia makes these amazing wedding cookies that have chocolate chips and pecans inside. Um, there's also Mexican sweet bread. My favorite is conchas, which has like a, I don't know, like a crumbly topping. Um, it's very recognizable <laughs> in the Mexican culture. and But there's obviously lots of different types of Mexican sweet bread. There's the marranitos, which literally looks like little pigs. Um, you have empanadas, so that those pasties, um, I'm probably saying it incorrectly, but if you watch the Great British Baking Show, like, I know they make them all the time, and they can be sweet. Um, inside, they can have, like, pumpkin or um, pineapple, um, but they can also be savory. You can have savory empanadas, which have inside, like, picadillo which is beef with tomato, um, carrots, and peas. But uh, as far as other desserts, a famous cake that we have is the Tres Leches cake. So it's a cake that's infused with three different types of milks. And obviously lots of, you know, different styles of candies. Um, I know in the valley where I grew up, people really liked things that had chamoy or um, tamarindo, like tamarind, um, things that have like chili on them. Um, I personally am more of like of a chocolate person. So my favorite candy growing up was called Duvalin. And I like the chocolate vanilla version of that. Um, it was like a little, like a little container, I guess kind of like Kind of like Nutella comes in a little container and it came with its own little spoon and you would just like eat this little sweet chocolate and vanilla paste. <laughs> um, 
drinks that I remember growing up. My mom made a lot of agua frescas, which is basically like fruit waters. Um, sometimes it would be something like lemonade or jamaica, which is hibiscus. You can have um, pineapple, um, horchata, which is like made with rice, um, cinnamon. It looks kind of milky. I guess it was like kind of like rice milk. <laughs> and a lot of uh, Fantas and yeah, like soft drinks were very popular both when, in my household and when we were in Mexico. Um, let's see, some cultural holidays. So for cultural holidays, well, I know for Christmas, we would definitely always make tamales. It takes a whole assembly line of us to, you know, we use banana leaves in our tamales, but um, to set it up, to put the masa, to put the, the either the pork or, again, picadillo. Um, there's different types of tamales, and now there's even more. But we basically, in my house, did a lot of picadillo and pork tamales for Christmas. Um, for Easter, I think when we celebrate anything other than than Christmas, we really do a lot of like carne asadas or cookouts, which I've, I've talked about before that we have, um, we grill uh, chicken and marinated meat, sausage, tortillas, beans and rice. I think that's what we do for a lot of like birthdays and for um, holidays. For Thanksgiving, I think our Thanksgiving was very Americanized. We had, you know, turkey and mashed potatoes and green beans. <laughs> Let me see. Challenges that this population faces. So for the Mexican-American population, especially in the Valley, there is a lot of diabetes. Um, I think one of the things that contributes to that is you know, how difficult it is to access healthcare for my population, especially, you know, if you're coming, if you're first generation coming to this country, you're not um, in a position to have good healthcare or to have great insurance. Like that really leaves you vulnerable to a lot of different healthcare problems. Um, I had, I still have, even living now in Houston, but especially in the Valley had, Patients that just, you know, can't afford their insulin, they can't afford their co-pays to go to the doctor. Um, I think that has a lot to do with it. it. Another thing that I think contributes is that in the Valley, it's not very, um, like, I won't say exercise friendly. Like, it's not really somewhere you can bike around or walk around. Like, most of those towns, at least where I grew up, there was really no sidewalks, no bike lanes, like not really a way to safely just get around. Um, there's not the best public transportation. Like you basically had to have a car to go anywhere or get anywhere. Um, so that, you know, that has to do a lot with it kind of forcing you to be a little bit more sedentary because you can't just go for a walk around your neighborhood. You either have to be able to afford a gym um, or drive to a park. And, you know, some people don't have access to that. 
But um, because, you know, diabetes is so prevalent, then that can lead to other issues like kidney failure. Um, Let's see. What foods are associated with health in my culture? Hmm. Okay. I think that when we get sick, what I remember, um, I feel like Sprite was always involved somehow. (laughs) And Gatorade. Um, I remember my mom making uh, chicken soup if I wasn't feeling well. Um, but yeah, for some reason, I don't know why growing up, if we weren't feeling well, Sprite was a go-to and Gatorade was a go-to. <laughs> I don't know if that's just my family. If they're, that's a Hispanic thing, y'all can comment and let me know. Um, another question I have, These again, these are questions I usually ask my um, my guess. So I'm using the same ones on myself. Is there a belief between weight and health in my culture? I would say yes. Um, I do feel, and I know this is a very, you know, controversial topic to talk about weight, but I do think that this is something that comes up in my culture is, um, you get a lot of comments, whether you're, underweight you like quote unquote you're too skinny um that kind of you get these comments like you need to eat more and you almost are made to feel like you're not enough of a woman if you don't have fat in the right places you know um but it's also the same thing if you are overweight I feel like you also get comments about you know that are you eating the best foods are you being healthy And I can understand why, you know, family feels like they're just watching out for you. But I, there's a lot of work (laughs) that needs to be done about teaching people to, you know, keep these comments to themselves because they don't know what the person is going through. They don't know, do they have a thyroid problem? Like what else is happening? You know, and just because you don't look a certain way doesn't mean you're not healthy and Same thing if you look a certain way, you could be, you know, thin. That doesn't mean you're healthy. Like, I see this association between weight and health, and it's it's definitely something that, you know, people need to be a little bit more educated on. But that's what I see. Next question. How would you recommend using my plate for this population, if at all? Um, for my plate, and I, I talked about this in my last episode for Hispanic people, it's a little different, at least for Mexican American people. Um, because like I mentioned, our plate doesn't look like the, my plate, um, diagram. If you're familiar with the, my plate diagram, it has the, um, protein separated from the starch separated from the produce. And in our meals, and a lot of our meals, everything is combined. The starch and the protein and the produce are all in one big mix. Like if you're seeing it in a guisado, you know, everything's going to be together. Um, so it's it's hard to separate all that out. Uh, when I talk about it with patients that are Hispanic, I basically tell them, think about this in terms of percentages. Like how can we add more? produce? How can we make this meal? 
have more produce. So sometimes, you know, if that means, you know, add more salsa or add more of the non-starchy veggies to this guisado, that might help. Um, what if we are trying to use that my plate as a guidance? Is there anything I would modify for someone in my niche? So I would consider my niche um, CKD or dialysis, um, diabetes, because I definitely have a lot of uh, dialysis patients that are diabetic. For the ones that are Mexican-American, one of the biggest pet peeves that I have is when I see nephrologists or just anyone really tell my patients that they can't have beans or they can't have tomatoes or they can't have avocados. Um, even if a patient is on a potassium or phosphorus restriction, this is just, it's not appropriate. You know, the, the evidence has changed. There's all this new research about how plant-based foods are the best, really the best option for patients with kidney failure. And I won't go more into it because I have a whole um, presentation about it coming up soon for Fancy, but I'll just, I'll leave it at that for now is that there's so many other things that we need to focus on than telling our patients no tomatoes, no avocados, no mangoes, no, you know, like that's, that's their entire food culture. Like that's what they grew up on. So just, yeah, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> so if nothing else, um, educate yourself on portions when it comes to these foods that you fear are, you know, high potassium, learn what portion would make it low potassium and practice using that with your patients. That's all I will say for now, but I will go a lot more into it in the future. Um, any restaurants that I would recommend in my area for people wanting to experience my food culture? So I live in Houston, and I'm sure there's plenty of great Mexican food. I have not ventured out much. Um, I guess I keep I'm afraid that I'm going to go to what I think is the Mexican restaurant and it's going to turn out to be Tex-Mex and it's just not the same thing. Like, I I know there's authentic Mexican food here. If you know a great Mexican restaurant in Houston that you feel is authentic, please send it my way. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm scared of trying something and it not being the real thing. <laughs> what we have found is a couple of really good um taco trucks that I like. So when it comes to tacos, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, the Mexico City style of tacos or the EFA style. And I found one of those. Um, I think it's called Mi Taqueria Jalisco or something like that. Um, and then there's also a taco truck that we go to a lot here in my neighborhood and it's called uh, Too Good Papi. <laughs> But they have some pretty yummy uh, queso birria tacos. So that's the only thing I will stand by for now. But if you have any recommendations, definitely send them my way. And last question, where can people find you if they want to learn more? Um, hopefully, you know all the platforms by now. I am uh, at Food Culture Curious on TikTok, on Instagram, 
And I also have um, other handles because my my other Instagram is Latina Kidney Dietitian, where I talk more about um, renal nutrition education for Hispanic patients. So you can definitely find me on all of those. Uh, Latina Kidney Dietitian is also on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> it's just a little different. This platform is more about educate, educating um, healthcare professionals to be culturally competent. And my other one is more about kidney nutrition for the Hispanic population. But feel free to follow me in either one. And that is it for today. Um, I hope you guys learned a little bit about the Mexican-American food culture. Again, this is just me and my own personal food culture. And I'm super excited about these episodes I have coming up. I have um, a couple of dietitians that have agreed to interview so we can learn more about their food culture. All of us can continue to grow in our cultural competency. So that's it for this week. Thank you guys. And finally, a quick disclaimer. Food Culture Curious is for educational and entertainment purposes only. I am a registered dietitian, but I am not your registered dietitian. If you have any healthcare concerns, please speak to a doctor. Thank you for listening.